Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 15. I think it's 15. No, it's 17, I think. Now i got to go back and look. I just looked 10 seconds ago. Uh, but welcome to Nutanix Weekly. I'm your host, Andy Whiteside. I've got a, I've got a little different approach today. We're going to be talking to the guys from Nucleus Cyber about their product and how it helps with uh, the files piece of Nutanix. Uh, but before we jump into that, Harvey Green's with me. Harvey, how's it going? I'm doing pretty good. How are you? Good. Yeah, we're missing uh, Jaira Cox, who's our other co-host, and maybe if we say his name three times, he'll show up. But uh, oh, yeah, uh, I'll do a Jaira, 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 and then there he there he shows up. Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! Whoa! <laughs> Good work. Stop that! Just don't do it again. <laughs> so Jaira, I appreciate you magically appearing. How's it going? Good. Sounds like I had pretty good timing there. Yeah, well, uh, Harvey, I, I said Jira three times and didn't work. And then Harvey said Beetlejuice three times and it did work. So uh, maybe there's something you should tell us. Glad I didn't go with Candyman. <laughs> <laughs> let's keep it. Yeah, let's keep it PG-13 here. Yeah. Well, uh, Jira's now with us. Jira, how's it going? Good, man. Happy Monday. Hmm. This is podcast number four, going to be number five after this one for me. And then I've got a flight to Dallas at nine o'clock. So You're I don't know if I'd call it happy Monday or not. You're a semi-professional podcaster. That's like the, the, the bullets, like going up the list of like roles and responsibilities there. I told somebody the other day I had a, uh, like a 16 hour day coming. That was last Monday. And they looked at me like, yeah, right. Whatever. You're just embellishing. I'm like, no, I think it really is a 16 hour day coming. But that's all right. That's my life. I've chosen to do this. Uh, we've got the guys from uh, Nucleus Cyber on with us. Uh, we'll start with Randy Brown. Randy reached out to me a few a few weeks ago, and you know normally we don't have other vendors on, but this really sounds like a real cool solution for one of the most important parts in the, the uh, Nutanix ecosystem, which is files. Um, some of you guys may know I've got my own little hyperconverged DIY thing that I've started, and that's all well and good. And it's okay for um, it's okay for VDI workloads and other workloads, but you know when you need that files piece to be relevant on every node in the system, now all of a sudden you're talking about Nutanix and the magic of what they put into their solution many years ago that just keeps getting better and better. Uh, so Randy, what's uh, what's your role over there? Thanks, Andy. Yeah, uh, Randy Brown here. I'm the vice president of sales for Nucleus Cyber for North America. That means you've got uh, Mexico, Canada, and uh, that little. You know, that is correct. Yes, that, that's a. Yep, that is correct. Yeah, yep. and everywhere in between. And uh, you got with you another Andy. So we got an Andy, a Randy, and another Andy. And I'm gonna Andy La La Laguna. How's that? That okay? Perfect. That's close enough. Thank you. And Andy, judging by the accent, uh, you're probably <laughs> not in Texas anymore. Uh, not currently. No. Um, I'm in the middle of the UK uh, on the other side of Puddle. Okay. Yeah, and I made up the Texas thing, but you answered it as if you've been in Texas. So maybe you have spent a lot of time in Texas. I have spent some time, yes. Hmm. Any particular Lusting over F-250s, actually. Yeah. Any particular part of the United States that uh, you spent a lot of time in that you uh, Take a take a shining to. I'm I'm not sure how to make that a British saying. What do you guys? What would you? What what would the British call when you're trying to say your favorite thing? Some favorite, favorite something. I don't know. Take a shine to. I guess would be pertinent. Um, I just like anywhere new. I spend a lot of time traveling around. So I've been doing. I've been doing sort of the SE architect role for a number of years. 
mm-hmm. and um, obviously been working with Randy for uh, longer than I care to remember, and been dropped in all these various locations all over from Far East, um, Asia Pac, all the way around to the US. Um, so anywhere new is cool. They just helicopter you in, drop you in, and tell you to figure it out. Yeah. Is that what you've been doing? Yeah. Pretty much. Well, you, you saw my iGel shirt. You've obviously been in the EUC world throughout some of that time, it sounds like. I, I started as Microsoft support, worked through Thin Client and remote desktops, mm. um, did support for Citrix. I spent a lot of time with Citrix. You mentioned a comment the other day on one of the other podcasts. You were talking about what MetaFrame, what was it called before MetaFrame? Yeah. Before MetaFrame, it was WinFrame. And before WinFrame, it was WinView. Um, mm. That's how long I've been at Citrix. Um, <laughs> and then Thin Client and worked with iGel as they sort of started to move out into the US. Um, spent a lot of time, a lot of quality time with Simon Richards. And um, basically it spun out from there to um, question. anything that's cool and interesting. You, uh, How many of those books behind you have you read? All of them. So normally when people throw out the whole wind frame, meta frame, wind view thing, I'm like, I pretty much dismiss people because that usually means they don't know. But if you've read all those books and based on the conversation we've had so far, I'm going to, I'm going to assume, you know what you're talking about. Cause it, it sounds like you do. Well, to me, it's, we now call it zero trust. We called it application service provision and whatever you wanted to call it anywhere in between. And to me, the zero trust piece was just an expansion of that knowledge. Yeah. Um, Certainly what we're talking about today is the fact that zero trust typically is understood to mean zero trust network access. Mm. But it's what we were trying to do with terminal services. It's what Citrix did beautifully with WinFrame 2, which so was a better me, NT4 than NT4 ever was. So are you telling me Citrix was a security play back in the late 90s? Well, they were playing at it before their marketing team got completely out of hand. But yeah, they were playing a little. I have that conversation all the time with security people who don't see the idea of remoting protocols with no access to anything other than viewing it as a security play. I'm like, no, it's the best security play there is. I'll let you look through the window, but you can't actually come in the door. Absolutely right. Yeah. Well, I think applying it to zero trust is interesting too, right? I typically... I typically boil down zero trust to mean your position on the network shouldn't grant you access if it if we can if it can be avoided right yeah merely because you're there doesn't mean yeah you should be doing anything it's almost like a, a, a aggressive mistrust of your internal environments i i would agree i would agree wholeheartedly so guys, maybe the best way to set up this conversation is to first let uh, Jira and Harvey give a, a good overview of uh, Nutanix files and what its history is, where it came from, what it does. Uh, and then we'll turn to um, uh, Andy to maybe dig deeper into things that he wants to make sure people understand and then how this product goes about <clears throat> making the files solution within Nutanix more secure. Hmm. Sure. Yeah, I mean, just to to do it fast, uh, but to level set, right? Um, Nutanix Files is our software-defined offering for running file shares on a Nutanix cluster, right? We're in the business of running um, highly performant, highly available, resilient virtualized workloads, whether those workloads are virtual machines or even our own controller VMs, but now also 
uh, and for several years now, actually, file servers um, offering you know SMB shares, NFS shares out to users and applications, right? And you would do that on Nutanix for the reason you would run anything on Nutanix, right? You want better manageability, you want better performance, more resiliency, faster rebuilds from hardware failures because hardware failures are just a fact of life. So why not fix that in software and, and recover from it faster? Um, and that's probably enough of an advertisement for files. Jira is all is the Nutanix files on every, so the files solutions on every node, but is my data on every node or just on a couple of nodes that might be me or next to me? Yeah, you can pick, right? So for like a, you know, whether you're running uh, file shares, home shares for 100 users or 10,000 users, you would deploy that a little bit differently, right? You can scale out to get more throughput with Nutanix files. The data would live on every node in the cluster, on our backend data platform, the actual uh, file serving VMs, share serving VMs are configurable, right? Usually a minimum cluster size of three, but then up to you could have, you know, uh, a file server VM on every node in the cluster or having multiple on every node in the cluster if you wanted to run multiple file servers. And then as data is accessed from a node, is it then hydrated there and available there until it times out? Depends. Usually that's more of a workload where we want the entire cluster to, um, participate in all of the IO. So it actually uses on the backend, uses our block storage technology called volumes um, so that that every CVM in the cluster brings to bear uh, throughput to run that files workload. It's actually, and since it's fully, it's usually a remote workload anyway, right? That those bits come from elsewhere on the node. It's less of a data locality traditional approach than like for VMs on the cluster. Yeah. So before we go over to the Nucleus Cyber guys to maybe extend upon that, that, um, Definition, Harvey, anything that you feel like we should have added to that uh, overview of Nutanix files? Um, no, I think Jared did a good job. I'll, I'll kind of water it down even more for those who missed a piece of it. This this is the opportunity to uh, run file serving directly out of your Nutanix cluster without running all of your other file servers and updating them and upkeeping them and all of that. It, really simplifies it for you uh, so that you don't have to have as much overhead. Well, would it be fair to say that, you know, legacy Microsoft server file servers and, and maybe even print servers are, are exactly that kind of legacy and there's much smarter ways to do it, but there's still tons of people that do it the old way. Uh, absolutely. See, I was being nice and not using the word Microsoft, but you, you hit it right on the head. <laughs> yeah, we had a project. Well, we don't do print servers, just <laughs> FYI. We had a project a couple of years ago where we weren't prepared to do Nutanix files. It had just come out, and to this day, the stuff's still stuck on Windows print server and looking to get it off and get it over to Nutanix files and not out of that cluster into like a NetApp file server, which you know fixes one problem but doesn't doesn't bring the data closer to the user. And and we should probably and maybe Andy and Randy will bring this up at some point. But you know profiles. I don't know where those fall into all this mix, but. Uh, certainly an element of the in the EUC world is getting those profiles local and faster and some of those uh, redirections and um, you know, what do we call it in the um, FS logics world Harvey the uh, the, the, the Con profile container yeah profile container but we're shimming it right we're not actually redirecting we're yes uh, what's it called link um, I can't it's a Monday uh, there's like file links versus actually yes. uh, oh my gosh all right you made me forget now too <laughs> symbolic link symbolic link yeah. there we go so the data doesn't actually come over until you need it but it's there hot and ready all right well andy um do you want to did we miss anything from your perspective around what users need to know about nutanix files 
from a from a nuclear cyber aspect? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, no, just and, and maybe I addressed that to the wrong person, Andy oh, yeah. or Randy, uh, whichever one. Is there anything that we need to set <laughs> up a little bit more so that we can have a good conversation right now around nuclear cyber and what you guys are doing? I, I don't think so. I think you as a great uh, recap by uh, Jared and uh, Harvey. So thank you. I mean, a common one, right, that I've seen is is <clears throat> often we're sort of just um, we're the newest custodian of a big old pile of data, right? That's could be very old. People don't often necessarily know what's in it, know who owns it. Um, you know, not, often there's a, a visibility problem, right, of of what's really in this giant tarball of data. Well, and that's been a problem in file servers forever. I go back to my first server admin job where nobody knew what was in all those file shares and nobody seemed to care. I bet these days they care. Yeah, it's just different people that scream when different ones go down. Absolutely. Yeah, I would I would literally go around and like deny access to people just to see if they even knew they had access to this stuff. And they and didn't. How many months did it take for them to come back to you? In a lot of cases, they didn't. Somebody gave them access to a share on an environment, NTFS permissions, and and they they had it for one file access, and they never really needed it. Some kind of a, a slow march towards it. RBAC via help desk tickets. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, Andy, on the nucleus cyber side, um, help us understand. You know, walk us through the blog here is what your product's doing to make make it more simple, more secure, more flexible, make Nutanix files better. So, I mean, we, allude, we, we alluded to this earlier on um, with, with the zero trust approach of, of, you know, is it rightful that that person should have access at that time to those resources? The fact that somebody is authenticated and logged on doesn't mean necessarily they should have access. And, and Andy, you're absolutely right. Um, break testing them by removing their, their ACLs from those objects to see if they're still accessing those locations is a valid test, should they have access. So we take the approach that um, attribute-based access control adds a further layer of detail into how users should be consuming services. And from a zero trust approach or an architecture approach is, should they be accessing it right now? Mm -hmm. um, Typically, you will find that architecturally, people will have to modify infrastructure by segregating out subsets of those of those data sets to present to different groups of users because they can't manipulate or dynamically apply the permissioning or the access controls to those objects to match their permissions. Our view here is that at the point of consumption, the object itself is going to have a, a use case scenario. Uh, the user will also have a, a use case scenario that they're trying to achieve, and there'll be attributes that need to match to allow that to, to happen. What kind of attributes can you uh, use to do that uh, both real time and, and over a period of time? And of course, the user identity is the start of the whole zero trust thing most of the time, right? Yeah, Andy, I'll, I'll step in. Yeah, so the first thing we look at is from a content attribute. So the content could be if, if our solution or another solution labeled in some ways being confidential. Uh, another attribute is where, where it sits, so the, the location, time of day. Uh, from a user side, we can look at um, are they in the office? Are they on the company sanctioned device? Uh, what group are they in? 
um, what time of day is. And then from that, we can determine what level of access, if any, we give to that file within Nutanix files. So uh, for instance, is if someone's in HR, they're in the they're in the office. They're on a company-sanctioned device. You have them that full ac access to those particular sensitive files. But if they're out of the office at a Starbucks, maybe only give them a read-only version, like you said, Andy. That they they can view it, but they can't do anything with it. And in fact, we'll put a dynamic watermark on the background so they can't take a picture of it. Otherwise, it'll have their name on it. So those are some of the attributes. Sorry, uh, Andy, Bob Laguna, you can follow up on that if you like. Yeah. So absolutely. And, and this is where it starts to get a little bit more interesting because I can start to drive a level of control. And obviously, we don't just do that in Nutanix files. Obviously, we're talking about Nutanix files here. So those SMB shares, however they're presented, customers typically won't shift their entire loads into one particular type of architecture. They may end up with hybrid architectures as well. So customer could be consuming those SMB shares in other ways from other platforms. And again, the same thing applies. I want to have those trimmed views of what that attribute access control actually looks like at that point in time. So the fact that they're authenticated or the fact that there may be permissions existing on those objects, we can start to overwrite those and modify those as that consumption progresses. Um, the attributes for the objects as Randy had mentioned, um, there are a number of things that could happen there, and that may be content in the objects themselves. It may be metadata tags added to those objects, which could appear through our scanner or through other scanners, depending on where this is existing. And then you can start to sort of, you know, you can go as far as you want to go. Um, we have a particular customer in the defense industry uh, on the other side of the planet who um, runs a SharePoint stack. Same thing, unstructured data store, lots of objects working in 43 operating environments around the globe, lots of different users, lots of different interactions, and that need for content-sensitive access control to those objects exactly the same way. They have 12 rules which handle all of their use case scenarios and make sure the right people get access to the right data at the right time in the right way. And, and so you mentioned SharePoint. So your solution is going to work in the Nutanix world, in the Windows, Microsoft, um, you know, SMB world, in the SharePoint world, in other NFS worlds. The solution goes across those and all those different stacks. We're not doing NFS yet. Um, Sorry. So I'm afraid I'm going to have to say a no to that at the moment. Um, but certainly SMB, SharePoint, SharePoint on-prem, SharePoint in the cloud, Office 365, um, and across all of those various areas where you might have those infrastructures or hybrid infrastructures if users are migrating to, or as we've mentioned earlier, migrating back from, um, we can still manage to contain those rules and drive that access in a very dynamic way. Yeah, on the Microsoft, Microsoft stack, usually uh, our engagements are Microsoft SharePoint, Microsoft Teams, and Microsoft OneDrive typically are the where we get brought in to help them solve problems. You know, I didn't even bring up um, OneDrive. That's that's a really good point. That a lot of stuff's heading in that direction. And, of course, Teams yeah. as an extension of OneDrive slash SharePoint. Yep. Yeah, well, the, the dynamicness and then the, the actions you can take something really interesting, right? So, like, is it possible that, like, a, a user could see a file but then the file contents change to become more sensitive. The next time they open it, then it's been watermarked for them. That's right. Or, so they, then, may not, or they may not even see it at all. Yeah, yeah. well. Or, they get or a read-only version, yep, somewhere between. Or you're somewhere that's been fingerprinted to be risky, therefore you can't edit it from, from there. Absolutely. Yeah. That's wild. So I mean, that's, we can... 
one of the other pieces as well in this puzzle is we can sort of drive those RMS controls. So based on how our, our Boolean logic works in our rules, we can drive that content and then drive the RMS controls to drive that specific object out, that's output at the end of the rule. So we can end up, as you said, as we've mentioned, uh, you now can't print. Uh, you can only view the object. You can't comment. You might be able to edit, but you can't attach that to an email. You can only view that object for a period of time. If you attempt to email it, we could pull the link to the object or the attachment out and put our secure a link to our secure reader in so that then that flows out through the exchange. So we're integrating into all of those areas and driving that access based attribute based access control to those objects, however they are moving through the system. So I guess a couple of things, uh, where does this live? Like, does this live on the Nutanix environment? Is it an agent on the endpoint? Where, where does it live? Well, Nutanix thankfully will host a lot of things. Um, so it could live within the context uh, of an IIS um, server within a Nutanix environment, however that's physically installed or virtualized into those across the hypervisors in there. Um, it will live in, it can live in, Office 365 in Azure as a resource group stack in Azure um, or can live on-prem if customer prefers. Um, and it can live in any of those environments. You single admin console and you can drive out into all the other areas where it might be adding control. So is it is it an inline solution where it's looking at the data you know, coming and going or is it um, monitoring? How's, how does that part work? So it's effectively an inline solution. Um, I think the... The most vernacular description is a, almost a proxy. It's okay. proxy-like in the way that it behaves. Um, so we can override based on, as we'd mentioned before, with Citrix looking through that pane of glass of the contents. Um, we're providing that interactive view of that object, however that is or wherever that is, um, to, to sort of give that experience. So, Jaira, I have to would, meeting with Go ahead. every day. Jaira, you're probably meeting with people every day and you're talking about files. Is this type of functionality stuff that they're they're looking for in your product? Um it's it's honestly it's it's in some ways more empowerment that I think some people don't even know to ask for, right? Um, you know, how do I how do I let people read only over the VPN, but only read right from Citrix, right? Mm -hmm. Like for for more security for that session, right? Or or I, I'm kind of still stuck on my example of like the file got more sensitive in place, right? Because the contents of it changed and now all of a sudden it's more responsive to that. It's, you know, it's such an extension beyond what the file system ACL itself can do. Yeah, that, that, that seems to be the problem. You have a you have document at rest, right? And then someone changes it. They resave it. Gyro, just like you mentioned, and now all of a sudden they put they put ten pages on that have a series of social security numbers or client account numbers and, and everything. They resave it into Nutanix files. If you don't have a system like ours to go and say, "Oh, now it's sensitive," then that document is not going to be exposed, even though you the, the file name and everything the the user the author hasn't changed except the content. So you got to be able to keep up with that. Oh man, you know what comes to mind, um, and it would be. A slightly difficult pattern to detect, perhaps, right? But think about um, how many shops where there's no password vault, right? There's like that one Word doc with passwords to to everything, right? Or that Excel spreadsheet, links and passwords to just everything. It's like, man, that's that's the keys to everything right there. 
Exactly. Yeah. Oh, nobody does that anymore. No. No, I mean, of course, I'm just, I'm totally making that up. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Whatever, yeah. Hypothetical, right? Yeah. Okay, let me let me minimize that. <laughs> well, so Harvey, any uh, any thoughts on this? Have you run into customers that were like kind of like Jira said they they you know they need this you you know it's buried down in there but they, they don't know what they have the power to do at this point. Yeah, I mean, I, I, unfortunately, right this this people have just started to you know care about this more and more. Uh, due to, you know, all of the breaches and other things that are going on in, in today's world. So, um, you know, on the whole, you know, they're kind of just starting to look at this in a serious way when it's something that, you know, they should have been looking at a, a pretty long time ago. It's not a new, it's not a new concept overall. It's uh, definitely a, a better way to do it, you know, better management and, and being able to have it be uh, integrated better. So um, definitely something that people should be looking at at this point, but uh, you know, we will continue to, you know, beat down the doors and, and talk to people about it. So guys, if I envision this as uh, like a, like a bodyguard for a file for files for data, is that, that a pretty good fit where, you know, some scenarios are going to be more, more more restrictive and other scenarios are going to be less restrictive but there's intelligence that can along the way be, figure that out on the fly well i, I wouldn't I, say go, go ahead andy if you have a good answer. no 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 please I, I would say um you would have to know what scenarios you'd want certain users to access or not access certain information um we don't have a, an ai portion that says hey this this looks odd. Um, we're more of controlling the user access to specific files at the time that they're looking to hit the file and then knowing that they're out of the office or it's at two o'clock and they're in China, then yeah, that would be something you'd want to block. So uh, I, I'd say a bodyguard is, I like that analogy. We might have to use that uh, in some marketing if that's okay. Might steal that from you. I, I have to simplify things. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then what kind of, it, it, I imagine is their ability to like notify the user, like you're unable to access this because of this classification has been applied that, to it. Yep. That's right. Yep. And then we can even show the user, you know, what they use, what, you know, maybe they put a term in there or something that made it from a public document to be a, you know, confidential or something like that document. Yeah. Can it even, I mean, I'm just curious, can it even prevent the right in the first place the save in the first place for certain kinds of conditions? Like if we wanted to, if there were certain kinds of red flags, if I put on that document now, suddenly something is like classified, and that's a real problem for me. If something gets classified and it shouldn't be, can I even prevent the prevent the right in the first place? The I know we can do that on the SharePoint side for the Tanix files. Mm -hmm. I don't know if we can do that. I'll have to get back to you on that. That's a great question, though. Yeah, I'm just curious because we, we we call that we call it quarantine, right? Let's just drop it somewhere oh, sure, yeah. and quarantine it. So, uh, but something would yeah, that's a great great question. We'll have to get back to you on that. So, guys, how do we I think this is? Sorry, Andy. I think this is one of the main concerns here as well is that regulation starting to come in across the globe for how data is handled, how data is managed, and how data is dealt with. And obviously, the data itself ends up with a policy and how it should be used, regardless of who's touching it. The users also come with a particular scenario. Nutanix files came with this originally with this idea as well. You know, file servers are uncomfortable and unpleasant most of the time yeah. and to manage that better i end up with a more efficient operating system 
And, and this is a convergence of that regulation to get there, that data. And, you know, this is how policy, how access should happen and how that, that junction of how the user connects to the object they're going to consume. And all of these pieces come together to allow that to happen. And I think it becomes an important piece, certainly from an architectural point of view. Nutanix Files is far more elegant than file servers. Well, and then... Point a while ago, I mean, printing is old and antiquated in most scenarios. Just file serving, even if it's coming from one of the modern-day file server platforms, is still a little antiquated. And and when you get in a scenario where something's been stolen from you and you didn't take advantage of today's world and the capabilities, you just you know open to share or or, or not. Um, you know, it, it's almost get probably to a point where it's shame on you for not 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 putting a ring, like putting a ring doorbell on your front door so you can at least have a doorbell and a lock and a video camera. It's almost shame on you if somebody walks in your front door and steals something. It's almost applying zero trust. <laughs> it's a blunt to say it, but to your users, right? Like I don't trust what data you're going to save and where you're going to save it. And I don't necessarily trust the, how secure you think it should be. Right. So I'm going to have some, have a safety net that sort of guarantees that those things f happen and flow the way I want them to. That, that is correct. And, and sadly, Securing, I mean, trusting your users can be problematic because at least 23, 25% of all breaches happen from some sort of oops moment, that accident, right? That happens. Mm -hmm. So we help protect against that insider threat, whether it's malicious or the oops, accidental. Oh, I put this thing in the uh, in the public folder when I should have put it in the HR folder. And then everyone yeah. sees it and, and then problems ensue, whether it's an internal problem or becomes an external problem. And we all read the newspaper every day and there's always a, those expensive external problems that we help prevent. Well, that's the persistent problem of ransomware, right? Is that it it does things that users are allowed to do to things yep. that users are allowed to touch, right? Yep, exactly. Yep, that's right. It takes advantage of that. If you trust users, it'll take advantage of that. So you need to have safeguards to overcome that. If you think about it, I mean, we we as technology folks are are still more trusting than we should be. And then if you look at leadership in, in business, they're probably still as 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 open as ever. Um, even though all these attacks are happening all around us. It's, it's a tough balancing act because if you want information security, that side of the business usually says, shut everything down, don't collaborate, don't talk to anybody, use carrier pigeon or what have you. Um, but the business says we need to communicate with our partners and make, you know, make money. And there's that real tough, that collaboration, which you can't be too collaborative because then it's too open uh, and you can't be too shut down, then you can't do business. So we try to help companies you know, ride right in the middle there and having a good equal, you know, system on both or, sides. Or provide the users with the right, exactly the right tools at exactly the right time. So they're not having to trawl through all of this noise to get to what it is they should be doing. Right. And if we, they're just being exposed to exactly what they should be doing at that point in time, then they can just get on with what they should be doing rather than having to discover stuff or look at stuff they shouldn't be touching. And I think part of that is trust, verify, challenge, or maybe not in quite in that order, but you know, let's let them do what they need to do, but let's at least put a little bit of a, a, a bodyguard. If I go back to that example from earlier in front of the, the data, just to make sure somebody, somebody challenges a little bit, whether it should be this level of access or not. Well, guys, I, I think we've covered it uh, from the uh, nucleus cyber side. Anything else that you feel like we should have gotten across uh, in this conversation? No, I think we were able to cover it. Great, great questions. I appreciate the, again, the 
the revamp on what Nutanix Files does. It's great. And we're real happy to be partnered with uh, Nutanix and uh, great to be on this podcast. Really happy about it. Thank you. Well, thank you guys for the, I mean, the, always the joint validation work and uh, joint Absolutely. success stories for our customers. And, and this is, <clears throat> these are some really cool capabilities that we can, uh, that we can offer. I've learned a lot too. So I was, I was really hesitant to bring on a third party into this, but the files piece of Nutanix is probably the second most widely used thing other than the, the storage slash hypervisor piece, the compute piece. Right. Uh, and this really does make a lot of sense for a component people should be considering. How do you, uh, how do, how do people listening get their hands on this? Well, you can uh, visit our website at nucleuscyber.com. Um, there's plenty of ways to reach out. You can reach out to me. I'm Randy Brown at nucleuscyber.com. All right. So Andy L, what, what time is it there? Is it, is it bedtime yet? It's nearly, oh my God, o'clock. <laughs> it's it's yes yeah, it's 20 to 10 here at the moment so not too bad so it's, it's been a relatively short day it's only been about 14 hours today <laughs> wow. well i can relate so i'm not gonna say too much but i yeah. uh, i appreciate you staying up and joining us you can uh go have a whatever it is you have before bedtime um sometimes i have sometimes i have a cocktail sometimes i have cookies and milk and quite often i have both so it's okay um, but I appreciate you staying up and joining us and um, you know, providing this level of content. And we'll look forward to maybe talking to you again at a later date. Absolutely. We'd love to. Thank you. Thank you, gentlemen. It's been a pleasure. Cool. Thanks, Thank you guys. Great talking to you. Thanks. I got Thanks, a call the help desk and tell them not to got, trust that guy, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> at least with the biscuits, right? Yeah. There you go. <laughs> Thanks, right. gentlemen. Thank you.